Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast. Another episode, another day. We're back together. Thanks for coming with us. This is your host today, Jared, and my good friend, Connor, as always. We are here today to talk about something that we love, a mutual love that we have, and it's not just Corey. It's food. But before we get to our food topic today, Connor, how are you doing? How's everything going over there? Good. Things are good. Fall is in full swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. you're having really a lot of fun with some leaves we were talking about before we started. Yeah, man, I love fall. I especially love days like today because it's 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. So it's a warm fall day and it's sunny and the leaves are changing. We're in peak fall season right now as far as the leaves changing colors. But with that comes just piles of leaves that are falling on the ground. And I was outside raking for about an hour and barely making a dent in our yard. <laughs> That's great. I remember doing that when we lived in northern Michigan. You just got to like pile them up in just the middle of the yard and then have a nice jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. We did that last year. We just made piles all over the yard and then we had a big tarp that we mm-hmm. would push them into and then we'd drag the tarp across into the woods and man it's just it's hard work it's a lot of it's a lot of work and like especially when they get wet right oh my gosh because then they like start sticking and they're heavy and like you can't wait on these leaves you gotta get them when they're crunchy on a nice dry day but that's crazy it's 70 degrees it's it was 46 when i woke up today in california and that's the coldest it's been in a long time wow since last year probably so it felt really good i just like stayed in bed we had both of our windows open and it was nice. Yes, that is nice. Yeah. We no, no, there's no fallen leaves over here, really. Just cactus. Man, I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> I'm sorry to me to rub that in your face. <laughs> no leaves over here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very jealous that you guys don't have leaves. Yeah, I, it, things are going over here. Like, besides all that stuff, we had, uh, we had the Goon Classic yesterday, which I was telling you a bit about. Uh, which was a CrossFit competition we did at Amoeba CrossFit. Um, our buddy Raf, who's a coach at CrossFit, uh, Amoeba CrossFit, um, kind of heads this brand, Goons Against the World, and and they're a pretty fun follow on Instagram. Um, they just love; they're all about fitness and a good time, and a lot of branding shirts, really cool, cool stuff. And the competition, there's, I'm exhausted today. You can kind of mm. hear it in my voice. Mm-hmm. All of the coaches and the the people that volunteered were like exhausted just because the energy in that place was insane. I took some pictures uh, I put up on Instagram of just the crowd is was crazy. Like I've never been a part of a competition where the energy was like that. So very tired today, but it was very cool. So I just wanted to shout them out real quick and make sure that everyone knows that it was a good time. If you didn't come and you're in California, you should go next year. Yeah, that's sweet. I want to go. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was just to watch it, I think, was probably the best experience. Yeah. To do it is like doing competitions, right? You've done quite a few. Mm-hmm. It's always really like nerve wracking, right? 
the morning of like you're kind of like shit in your pants and like you're nervous <laughs> for no reason. It's just workouts. But mm-hmm. your mind is like, I'm going into like a fight for my life. And uh, so like that's fun. But we, it's nerve wracking as like a judge. That's also nerve wracking because you don't want to mess up for the athletes. Right. You want to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're putting the thing on and that's nerve wracking. But like to be there in the audience, that's where you want to be. So it was a cool time. Um, let's talk about food. Yeah, let's talk about food. You brought up uh, the other week this article that you found. Where was it from? The Washington Post. Yes, the Washington Post. It was, they released it at the end of September. So it's a recent article. It was great. I read through it and it's something that we have talked about before on this podcast with processed food and the the danger it is to our health. Mm. And you've made kind of, uh, it's part of your life goal to kind of get this type of information out there. So we want to dive into it more and again uh, about processed foods. So they, in this article, they talked about ultra processed foods. So let's kind of go through some definitions first. Of, we're not going to go too much further in the article. We're going to pull out abstracts and I want to get your brain into it. Um, so let's talk about ultra processed foods. Mm-hmm. Can we start there? What is it? Yeah, that's a good question. I I want to point out exactly what you just said in that what this article was talking about is not necessarily new information, but they're repeating and highlighting really important information. And they also cited some really cool studies. So I would recommend anyone that's interested, you can read it for free. Go to thewashingtonpost.com. It's called, the article's title is, What are ultra-processed foods and what should I eat instead? Ultra-processed foods are what most of us think of when we think of junk food. So what comes to your mind when you think of junk food? Uh, Swiss cake rolls, (laughs) anything like Little Debbie, like uh, Pop-Tarts. Yes. Things that like I pretty much ate at through high school and middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Cereal. Yes. Twinkie. Yeah. Twinkie. Just like stuff that sits on a shelf. That's so funny. Those are the foods that pop into my head. I think of cereals like Frosted Flakes. I always Mm. think of Pop-Tarts. I think because Mm. they're so brightly colored and there's like frosting and... Pop-Tarts. Let's talk about... Okay. Just one second. Because yeah. we've talked, what, what was that dilemma we had? It was like the oh, Pop Tart dilemma. Remember that? Yes. We're going to get off track. But there was this Pop Tart dilemma we used to talk about for years. And it yeah. was like, we really wanted, every time I used to go to the grocery store, I really wanted Pop Tarts. Like I would pass it in the aisle and be like, why not? It was yeah. like the ring, right? From Lord of the Rings. Just like, just put the ring on. Why not? <laughs> just, just do it. Just buy the Pop Tarts. Just do it. It's fine. It's just once. And I grew up on Pop-Tarts, but the dilemma was like, no, like you have to stay strong, like, or it's not stay strong. You have to, like, they're not good. They're just, what is the actual benefit, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the dilemma was always, should I get them or should I not? Because Pop-Tarts are delicious. They're awesome. Put them in a toaster, freeze them, whatever mm-hmm. you want. That was the dilemma, right? I can't remember yeah. exactly yeah. what it was, but it was like, every time I went, it was like, I really want the Pop-Tarts. Yes. Yeah. The Pop-Tart dilemma. We talked about that like over five years ago. (laughs) Yeah. A long time ago. It was a (laughs) long time ago. Yeah. It's 
everything you just said, those those junk foods that pop into your mind, um, those are these ultra processed foods that we're referring to. And they're foods that come in a package. They are engineered in a laboratory. These are not foods that you're going to find in nature. Um, and they're they're designed to be what this article refers to as hyper palatable, hyper palatable. And they hit something called the bliss point. Are you familiar with the bliss point? No, tell me. More. Oh, OK. The bliss point is so in in food science, in marketing research, they figured out this magical right combination of saltiness, sweetness, and richness. So richness being like fattiness. Mm -hmm. um, and texture plays a role in there too, right? Mm -hmm. And this is, the bliss point is basically optimal deliciousness. Mm. Yeah. So it's I know this, about the bliss point. Yeah, yeah. We can all think <laughs> of a food that hits our bliss point, and it's that really tasty combination of salt, sugar, fat, that triggers the reward centers in our brain, and they release happy hormones. They release endorphins. They make us feel good. Um, we get that dopamine hit. That is the bliss point. Ultra processed foods. We've been talking about what you can get at the grocery store, but we can also wrap up fast food into this, right? Mm. Would that be some of that be considered ultra processed food? Because uh, when you're talking about the bliss point, I am just imagining like McDonald's, like a quarter pounder or something where yes. like you bite into that and it's like they have got that thing down to a science about how it feels in your mouth. I mean, it's a trillion dollar industry, right? Of course yeah. they do. Like it, it tastes amazing. It feels amazing. Like the sweetness of the bun, the saltiness of the meat or whatever. And the, like it's fatty as hell. Like. It's mm -hmm. everything that you just described. So that's when I, we were talking about the bliss point and happy hormones. It feels good to eat like McDonald's food because it's so good. Yes. I haven't had McDonald's in a long time, but what I remember, that's what I like the feelings I get now having some perspective on it. Yeah. It's so funny you bring up McDonald's. I haven't had McDonald's in years and I just had McDonald's last week. <sighs> yeah. Oh, shame. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I'll tell you why. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's it was for nostalgic reasons, and I don't know if anyone out there remembers the McDonald's Halloween pails that they released in, um, like the late 1980s. <laughs> Do you remember these? Yeah, of There's course. And it's hilarious that you're bringing this up. Yeah, someone so, else that I know just got them for her kids and yes. like was like, "Wow, why did they ever get rid of these?" Yeah. Yeah. So, I saw that McDonald's had released them again, and I have a photo of my brother and I going trick or treating and we have the green ghoul pail that McDonald's nice. that was our trick or treating bucket, and I saw that they were releasing them and I thought, "Oh no, like we have we have to go like i was like Corey, we have to go mm. they they just released them today mm -hmm. and we 
we went, we went through the drive through and I was like, uh, like you have to order a happy meal to get one. I was like, man, what am I going to get? And so I got, <laughs> I got chicken McNuggets, chicken McNuggets yeah. with chocolate milk, French fries, chalky milk, chalky milk. Yeah. <laughs> that, I it, didn't know they gave out chocolate milk. They do now, yeah. I think they used. I think I used to get like high C or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> but um, we went through the drive-through, and I got I got my ghost pail. It was the ghosty. I really wanted the green one, but mm. the McDonald's only had the white ones, the white ghost pails. And so I'm like, dang it, I'm gonna have to go back and get another Happy mm-hmm. Meal gotta if I want the green them. one because I gotta get them all. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, but we, we brought him home. We were in our living room and we were like, I was eating my happy meal and like you you're eating the chicken nuggets and you're like, is this even real food? Is this really, you know? And man, I couldn't tell you the last time I had McDonald's, but it does. It hits those bliss points and it's weird. It like it hijacks, it hijacks your taste buds. And that feeling of like fullness you would get from eating like unprocessed foods. Like if I ate, if I ate like chicken and vegetables, my body would naturally get full after a while. I downed a happy meal and was like, okay, now what are we going to have for dinner type of thing? It's like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't that, I wasn't full. All of that food went down really easy. It almost like melts in your mouth. So you're, I mean, especially the French fries. You're just like shoving French fries in your face. What yeah. an experience. Think, man, what a great point. It, it does. It's so easy to eat, right? It, I mean, okay, I, will, I lied when I said I haven't had McDonald's in years. I had a chicken nugget earlier this year. We were mm. on our way to Paso Robles. Jess was like, I want ice cream from McDonald's. And we were with some friends. I was like, that's really random. So we stopped and got like an ice cream from McDonald's. Yeah. And one of our other friends got chicken nuggets. I was like, I'll have a chicken nugget. And yeah, it's just like childhood, but it like melts and you're like, it just like, it's so easy to chew and eat. It's really strange. Yes. And I think that highlights the problem with this food, right? So Mm -hmm. I think of this food as being food with no breaks, meaning you can just keep eating it. It's easy to eat. It's really tasty. It doesn't make you feel that Mm -hmm. full. And because this food produces really powerful cravings, it's it's super addicting. It's very addicting. That feeling of fullness doesn't really kick in ever. And so I hear from clients all the time that I work with where they will say things like, man, I just feel like I can't stop eating certain things. And I always let them know, like. It's it's not it's not your fault that you feel that way. It's actually because these foods are engineered to be that way. And yeah. It's interesting because over time your taste buds become really accustomed to that bliss point. Your taste buds crave the salty, sugary, fatty texture of that food. And your, your taste preferences start to shift where you almost need more of it, more of that food 
to get that same rush of happy hormones. Like you build up, you build up a tolerance for it. So that way you need more to reach that same endorphin rush or that same dopamine hit. Um, And, and the opposite is also true. A lot of people feel withdrawals. So if I'm eating McDonald's every week, and then there's a week where I don't have it, I might start to feel withdrawals from that. So it's, it's essentially like a designer drug. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an over the counter drug. (laughs) Yes. Right. But the counter is a restaurant. Exactly. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that too, because we eat pretty well at, in our house. Jess eats better than I do as far as, you know, avoiding processed foods. Like if I'm working out and active, I'm eating cereal, but I follow what you have told me before, which is like, let's upgrade it. So I'm not eating Lucky Charms and shit. I'm eating like mm. at least like cereal from like the Whole Foods or the Sprouts world where it's organic, like lesser ingredients um, and better ingredients, not full of like uh, corn syrup and stuff, whatever. But uh, I'll go and try to eat like a red bell pepper and I'll be like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. And Jess is like, what are you talking about? These are so sweet. Like this is mm. the sweetest pepper I've ever had. I'm like, it doesn't taste sweet at all to me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sweet for a vegetable, I guess. But like Jess is like eating them like they're red sour strips. Like they're so good and sweet, yes. you know, so, yeah. but she doesn't eat barely anything. So it's interesting. Uh, just like you build up a tolerance and like my taste buds are almost like diluted down a bit to the flavors of whole foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that kind of what you're saying? too? Oh, oh, totally. I work with a lot of clients that will say, I just don't like vegetables. And it's mm-hmm. and I, I often wonder if if that's the reason it's because we're used to eating these highly processed foods that are so sweet, so salty, um, you know, so fatty that when we try to eat mm-hmm. a vegetable, it tastes bitter. Mm. And people don't realize that your taste preferences do shift over time. So you can, mm. you know, slowly wean yourself off of these ultra processed foods and start introducing more of these vegetables and starting with the sweeter ones is such a great way to do that like things like carrots and peppers Mm -hmm. and because there are vegetables that do taste bitter to people but if you can lean into the vegetables that are on the sweeter side i think that's a good way to like start introducing vegetables if you're one of those people that thinks of vegetables and thinks of kale kind of like build a tolerance right like and I think that some of that can go into like how you're cooking the vegetables too. Cause when mm. I lived alone, I didn't know how to cook vegetables and Jess is like a master now. And she's like, showed me a lot of different things and we have broccoli every night and it's delicious. Mm-hmm. And I never would have had broccoli on my own. Cause I would have like steamed it and put salt on it and been like, I guess this is it. This is broccoli. Yeah. yeah. Like that's not <laughs> the right way to do it. Right. Well, I mean, that's, that's a really good point too. Th- these foods are like everywhere in our society everywhere and it's really interesting i say our society i guess the world but our country especially is a bit different because it comes down to like sourcing and ingredients right where our country if you compare like the same food to like uk and things like that uh the ingredients are different but in the u.s like we are especially like 
holding on to these processed foods, ultra processed foods. Mm. So why mm. is that? Why are we obsessed with processed foods? Man, I think it comes down to, I'd be interested to hear what you think, but I think it comes down to the food industry. You know, the food industry invests a lot of money into research and marketing and figuring out how to make their foods hit that bliss point in in a laboratory setting. I always like to highlight that because mm-hmm. we're eating food that's engineered in a lab. We're not, it's not real food by any means. It's very far from real food. It's all about money. It's all about profit. The more, the more we eat, the more they profit. And so they design this food to be addicting. And it's really, mm-hmm. it's a trick. Like they're, they're taking advantage of our taste buds. I was interested, I was interested to learn like, okay, when did ultra processed foods even hit the market? And Mm. um, processed foods actually came out in the market. It was after World War II. So it was like the 1950s. I think it, I think the first one that hit the market was these like ready-made meals, like a Swanson's turkey dinner like a turkey microwavable mm, salisbury dinner. steak yes yeah yeah exactly i think that was one of the first companies that started to come out with these processed meals um but it really wasn't until like the late 1990s when companies started to really focus on this bliss point idea and think, okay, how can we get the right combination of salty, sweet, savory, crunchy, fatty into our foods? Because that's what's going to sell. Because it's, it's yeah. so incredibly delicious. And it's like our taste buds just like light up. It really is. It's, it's really like a drug. It works just like a drug. I think, I think you're right in that. It's all about money and the bottom line. And I think they have us figured out. I think we're, we're like our science has become so far and companies are so invested in profits. Um, not to make this like a, a capitalism episode, but I think that it obviously has a lot to do with it where companies care about the bottom line and they don't care about our health. Uh, and their, their interest is in their st- shareholders and the, the money and not our health. There's a whole nother industry where pharmaceuticals and stuff where they are concerned about our health but do it in a way that just masks masks the symptoms that we develop from the foods that we eat over a mm-hmm. lifetime mm-hmm. and and we get and talk about that and all the different things that these ultra processed foods can can cause and i see it in my job and it's hard to make generalizations because people can just be have a genetic disposition to certain things but if you talk to, listen to a lot of people that are way smarter than both of us that study this firsthand, I think a lot of them would say your genetics is like bullets in a gun, right? But your lifestyle is a trigger. So you could have those bullets mm-hmm. in your gun, but the lifestyle, the way you live depends if they fire or not. Mm-hmm. I thought that's a, just a great metaphor for it. It's so prevalent in our society just because it is delicious and they have us figured out. And it's not a big conspiracy because we're a part of it, you know? 
Um, and I think it's convenient. I think we're all work a long hours and we're stressed out and we want something to make us happy. And that's what this food does. And I think that's sad in a way, because how do we fix being unhappy? A lot of people, a lot of us don't want that long-term fix of something they want. You know, we want like something now mm-hmm. and that's part of our nature too. We want a quick fix. You know, it gives us a lot of anxiety to yeah. not know when this bad thing is going to end. But if you say, if you told us, hey, we have a coronavirus, it's coming, <clears throat> it's going to be here for two years, and then we're going to get back to doing pretty well. But we didn't have that. We had two weeks. Two weeks turned into six months. It just kept going. And that caused a lot of anxiety with people, right? So we do a lot better when we know the end point. Like if you're waiting for a bus or a train or something, and you say, the train's going to be here in four minutes, and you have a countdown, you're like, okay, I can chill out. But if you don't know when the train or bus is coming, that four minutes is like a totally different experience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you say, hey, you know, getting off ultra processed foods, processed foods, it's going to take five years for you to get back to really good health markers or one year to get back to really good health markers. You say, okay, and you'll be happier um, and you'll feel better. You have more energy, but to do things you want, you say, okay, I can do that. Let's, that's a year. But we don't have that, right? So it's just like, I don't know when the good things are going to happen with mm. this. So I, don't, I still don't feel good. And I'm going to just have this reindulgence, this reward circuit in my brain that's just like, eat the food, get the reward, feel good. Mm-hmm. And the cycle continues. Yeah, I think that's why it's also really prevalent. But, um, you know, it's, uh, let's talk about what some of these things can kind of turn into in our bodies. So what, what types of disease states are these ultra-processed who's linked to for people across the board? Yeah, there's this article in the Washington Post. They cited a couple of studies that they did, and they linked these ultra-processed foods to things like higher rates of obesity, heart disease, hypertension, type 2 diabetes, colon cancer. One study, and I think I tried to click into some of these studies to see how big of a population they sampled. And one study looked at, I think it was 22,000 people. I think that was their, mm. their sample size, which is pretty big, pretty big. And they, they, they were saying, you know, out of this sample size, um, 19%, they related having a diet of ultra processed foods essentially led to an early death. And Mm. I want to say it was 32%. It led to having some sort of cardiovascular disease, which, which is huge, which is really, really huge. And I mean, they're saying now, um, there was another study, it came out in 2010. So I'd be interested to know what it is now today, but they studied 10,000 participants and they said, 60% of our daily calorie intake comes from ultra processed foods. So if you think about that, 60%. If you eat three meals a day, that means two of your meals are ultra processed. So packaged, fast food, eating ingredients that we can't pronounce and our body can't decipher, you know, when we're digesting this. That's a lot. All of those numbers are a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a big chunk of the population if that's reflective across mm. our entire population in the US. Right. You know, we talk about 
man, that that's that's a ton. I I think that sixty percent of our daily caloric intake from these ultra processed foods that's probably spot that's probably like right because that includes like fast food. I mean, there's a line out at McDonald's every single day. Yeah, in every single city, which mm-hmm. has multiple McDonald's. Yeah, and multiple Wendy's and things like that. I mean, I totally believe that. Okay, we've been talking. I want to like backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't divulge from that. I think that's really important. So let's hold on to it. But we've been saying ultra processed foods mm-hmm. this whole time, um, where people are really familiar with processed foods mm-hmm. or minimally processed foods. Do you have some like what can you decipher the difference and maybe like a hierarchy of those? Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I think of let's start with unprocessed and then we can kind of talk about minimally processed, ultra processed and go through those tiers. So when I think of unprocessed, I think of things that you can find in nature. So these are things like fruits, vegetables, meats, eggs. They're one ingredient foods. And they're typically foods that don't come in a package. They don't have an ingredient label on the back. And minimally processed would be the next tier up. These are foods that are packaged, but they have a really small list of ingredients and they're usually recognizable. Some examples of minimally processed foods. I was looking in my pantry to see if I could find examples of what a minimally processed food looks like. So in our pantry, for example, um, we have bread. We get bread occasionally. Our bread is flour, yeast, sea salt, and water. It has four ingredients. You can pronounce everything. Um, It's from the um, Northern Michigan Baking Company. Oh, such a good company. I forgot about them. Yes. Yeah. Um, bread is one of those things like instead of going down the aisle where all the all of the sliced bread is located, check out your bakery. Check out the bakery center mm. in the grocery store because we get it at Meyer, which is a regional grocery store in our area. And it's it's that minimally processed bread that we, we want. Um, but yeah, also another example would be like almond butter. Our almond butter has almonds and salt. So two ingredients. I can pronounce both of those things. And then we also have pasta sauce in our pantry. And the pasta oh. sauce has like tomato puree, diced tomatoes, and then a bunch of seasonings so like basil, oregano thyme whatever so it's it's ingredients that have been packaged together but you know it's usually five ingredients or less i can say everything on the label i know what everything is yeah and then the next tier i would say we can put ultra processed foods there and these are packaged foods with a really long list of ingredients and many of these things are things that we can't pronounce, we can't recognize. There's tons of additives. Of course, we have like the salt, the sugar, but then we have oils, we have artificial flavors, we have colors, we have sweeteners. 
We have stabilizers. We have preservatives. So these are the things like the breakfast cereal, like the Lucky Charms, the Pop-Tarts, the hot dogs, the boxed mac and cheese. I was trying to look for things in our pantry. We've been doing this for a long time, and we still have stuff in our house that has ingredients that we're like, what is that? <laughs> what? Wait, what is that? Mm. Um, Corey, Corey's birthday was at the beginning of the month, and we got, we, got, we got ice cream on his birthday. Like We bought a thing of ice cream to have with like cake. And I was looking at the ingredients on the ice cream, and it was a short list of ingredients. It was, you know, milk, cream, sugar, vanilla. And then it had one ingredient I didn't know what it was, and it was gurgum. Guar gum. G U A R. Yes, guar gum. I think it's guar. I don't know. I think you're, it's guar. You're probably right. Do you know what it is? What it's okay. used for? No, I, I don't. Uh -uh. I didn't either. I looked it up and it's used as a thickener or a binder. So it makes sense that it would be used in ice cream. And yeah, yeah. you think, okay, it seems harmless, right? It seems pretty harmless. But here's the okay. thing is companies are adding these things like artificial sweeteners, colors, stabilizers, emulsifiers, these preservatives, this guar gum. And it seems super innocent. But the truth is, yeah. we don't really fully understand the long term health effects those things are having on our body. It's it's just kind of be cautious of those things. We, ha we don't have ice cream very often. And sometimes we even try to make our own ice cream so that we are in full control of all the ingredients that go in there. However, we bought something from a local company that we really love. And it had that one ingredient on it. And I was like, that's eh, probably fine. But we don't really know. Man, I, uh, I was going to mention an ice cream that I've been mm -hmm. eating that I really like because I was like, this is a solid choice and it tastes pretty good. So it's called uh, Must Love Bananas and it's chocolate chip ice cream, but it's mm -hmm. made out of bananas. Nice. So I'm going to read you the ingredients here since we're sharing oh, ingredients. Yeah. So it's the first ingredient is bananas, then coconut milk, dates, cocoa powder, chocolate chips, and then the last one, vegetable gums. Salt. Mm. I did not read. I would like I read the first like four. I was like, sweet, that's a good one. Yeah. I was like, oh, vegetable gums. I don't know what those are. But again, like you said, like it's not about restricting these forever. Like and, and you know, you can if that's how you want to live your life. You don't want to eat them. Fine. Birthdays come around. Holidays come around. Social events come around, and things happen, right? And uh, it's okay to kind of indulge into them and not be so restrictive on yourself but you have to understand that there's a line like you can't keep saying oh i don't want to restrict myself and like keep going every weekend right um i mean you can it's your life but like that's not the practice we want to have we want to like uh we want to give people um the, the it's not the advice we want to give i guess so okay so we have unprocessed foods minimally processed foods and ultra processed foods mm -hmm. and that's our hierarchy that we just went on um, you also mentioned a local 
places. So like the local ice cream you bought. We also have another local place that we love to buy meats from. I just gave it away. Meats, which is Apsy Farms. So we're going to plug Apsy Farms here real quick because this whole episode is about getting into more whole foods, more unprocessed foods, more uh, like local and regenerative. And that's exactly what Apsy Farm is. And we're happy to be uh, partners with them and we're happy to support them. So Connor, tell us a little bit more about our good friends at Apsy Farms. Yeah, man, we love Apsy Farms. You were talking that you ingest generally eat really well when you're cooking at home. We That's the very reason we seek out Apsy Farms and their high quality meats. You know, the companies that we're talking about today who are engineering these ultra processed foods, they don't care about your health. Apsy Farms cares about your health and they make it really easy to feed your family quality foods you can trust. And so if you're interested, they ship pretty much everywhere in the U.S. Go to apsyfarms.com. That's A-P-S-E-Y, A-P-S-E-Y, farms.com. And at checkout, enter code WARRIOR10, WARRIOR10, to get 10% off your first meat bundle. Yeah, they sent us jerky really good too they have all sorts of stuff they they have all sorts of stuff there so go check them out online and i think that it going into going into the unprocessed minimally processed and ultra processed there's probably there is some offshoots of the unprocessed right so you talked about like one ingredient food which would be like red bell pepper it's red bell pepper uh corn it's corn you know broccoli broccoli chicken it's chicken right? But then there's different subsections, right? Organic chicken uh, mm. and all the keywords, the buzzwords about chicken, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing about Apsy Farms is that is another level up because now you're buying local and regenerative and things that are grazing on natural land. Yeah. So there is, an, there is another subsection of unprocessed foods where you can go buy unprocessed foods at the store. If you really want to take it to the next level and get on something where you're supporting someone local and doing the right things for everybody, yourself, himself, or the farmers, or herself, and the planet, that would be something like Apsy Farms. Um, so that's why I'm super psyched, and we're all psyched to help support them, because uh, it's good for us. Let's talk about, when I think about processed, ultra-processed foods, or processed foods in general, my mind goes to like that factory setting of people just like like doing things with conveyor belts and stuff and it's going through processes to make it edible. Mm-hmm. But what is that pro- what does that process actually look like because we mentioned before too unprocessed is single ingredient. It can be summed up as single ingredient food. Mm-hmm. Ultra processed we're thinking a lot of ingredients. But is it just the concept of adding a bunch of ingredients for a shelf life? Like what does that process actually look like and why? Man, that's such a good question. I was thinking a lot about this. And specifically, I was thinking about, okay, what is the process of taking something and turning it into an ultra-processed food like Frosted Flakes, for example? So the main ingredient in Frosted Flakes is corn. So it's starting off with a pretty simple one-ingredient food 
and they're taking corn and they're tra- somehow magically transforming it into the Frosted Flakes breakfast cereal that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. And so if <laughs> it's you think magic, of, it's magic. Yeah. But if you think about that, it's a pretty involved process. You're taking this raw ingredient of corn, you're exposing it to extremely high temperatures and pressure. That process alone to get the corn to turn into a flake, mm-hmm. the frosted flake, it it destroys most of the nutrients. Not only do, not only that, but taking it through this process of high temperature, high pressure, it's also creating new compounds. And some of these compounds are things like carcinogens. So carcinogens sound scary. Because they are. Carcinogens are substances that cause cancer in living tissue. So think about that. They just took a raw ingredient corn. They put it through the the factory process. You had a really great factory noise. (laughs) (laughs) It went through the factory process. (laughs) And then... (laughs) <laughs> All right. It, during that process, it's not only removing a lot of the nutrients and the nutrition that our body needs, it's creating these mm-hmm. other substances that aren't good for us and are actually really harmful to us. And then they're yeah. adding things to that. So they're adding artificial sweeteners, color stabilizers, preservatives. Um, which again, we don't we don't really know the effect of those things on our body, but we know during that process, nutrients are getting stripped out and potentially harmful mm. things are getting added. So is the key to it the high heat that causes that breakdown of nutrients and the formation of those carcinogens? It's a combination of the high temperature and also the pressure that they're putting this raw ingredient under in order to produce the flake. That's you, cause we're, you're talking about frosted flake. Frosted flakes. Yeah. There's a, that's your go-to. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's, we're going to come back next time we're on. Cause I don't know at the top of my head, but I read it um, browsing through, I think it was the Huberman, Huberman lab podcast. He's a really smart dude, but he also has an Instagram where he shares a lot of good information. And I think it was his that he talked about ways to cook broccoli and one other vegetable mm-hmm. in that it actually breaks it down just enough to like allow the release for these anti-carcinogenic mm-hmm. factors mm-hmm. to be released. Unless you know it right now, because I can't remember it, but I think that's a great point about it can go both ways. The, the way you cook foods, the way you you process foods because you're processing food too. Every sort of food is processed at some point. If you take a raw chicken, you're processing it by putting it on a grill, right? Mm-hmm. You're processing your broccoli on a stovetop that you can actually release its beneficial compounds that are going to be really good for you. But also, if you do the ultra-processed, it's the opposite. Yeah. That's so interesting. There are... Man, food science is so interesting. You're right. The way we cook things can impact the nutrients that are released from those foods. And I know that with a lot of vegetables, there's even things like 
onions and garlic where they actually oh, yeah 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 they recommend you know like chopping them up ahead of time and letting them sit mm-hmm. for a while because it starts to release like enzymes and things like that mm-hmm. which is so fascinating yeah it was it's crazy right it's super cool and it was garlic now that you said garlic mm. he was talking about broccoli and garlic and cutting them up letting them sit out for like 30 to 40 minutes mm-hmm. i think and then steaming them and from there maybe it was steaming or doing something else for a certain amount of time that, and then letting them sit again it was like a little bit of a process <laughs> keyword process but that's how you uh I'm, we'll come back next time we're on. I'm going to put a note down. We'll bring it back in the beginning of our yeah. next episode together. Because um, I think that's going to be really useful. But let's, let's talk about... We've, we've really like hammered home the issue with it. Let's talk about how we can make it better um, for ourselves. So how can we work to change this diet to make it more sustainable in our life? Yeah. I think with a lot of change, it starts with awareness. So I always recommend... Just start reading labels, look at the nutrition label, but look at the ingredient list and do this at home. Do this when you're grocery shopping and just start to take notice of what the ingredients are. Um, And then I would recommend try buying foods at the store with a really short ingredient list, so maybe five ingredients or less. And make sure you can pronounce the majority of those ingredients. There might be one mystery ingredient, but again, keyword process, this is a process. And so it's okay to, to start this process with a small step, which is read, read the ingredient list and then start to aim to buy foods with a shorter list of ingredients. And then I think if you want to level up beyond that, I would consider buying more whole foods. So more of those foods that don't have a label or are those one ingredient foods that we mentioned of like fruits, vegetables, meat, eggs, things like that. Um, Make sure you're including plenty of those into your shopping cart. And then I think another really good trick is if you want to level up again, try to cook more at home. Try to cook more from scratch at home. And this might be instead of buying, you know, frozen chicken nuggets or buying McDonald's chicken nuggets is maybe try making your own breaded air fryer chicken nuggets at home. And so that way, you know exactly what ingredients are going into your meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those really aren't that hard. You just have to plan for them, right? Write it out. We always write our menu out for the week, every mm-hmm. single week, dinners as our menu. We know what's coming on each day, how much time to prepare. Um, so what are some common foods then that can easily be changed that most people, generalization, are probably eating right now on a daily basis? Yeah. I, again, I looked to my own fridge and pantry to see if I could find examples Mm -hmm. of things that we've been taking notice of and trying to swap out more. Um, I think things like peanut butter is a pretty common household item, peanut butter or any other type of nut butter. And 
it's pretty easy in the store when you start looking at the ingredients of your peanut butter. There's typically a lot of additives. You know, they might be adding mm. sweeteners. They might be adding hydrogenated oils and other things that you can't recognize on the label. But most grocery stores have peanut butter where it's just just peanuts and salt. And so I think that's a really easy swap. And I will also say, I think the taste shift is pretty comparable. And it won't take very long to get used to just having a slightly different peanut buttery taste. I will say, finding a peanut butter or an almond butter, especially with like those two ingredients is so satisfying. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, I found it. I found it. And it's going to be, you know, and like the difference is, yes, you get a little bit of separation with the oil and the peanut butter. When you first open it, you have to mix it up with Mm, a knife or something. True. After that, you're good. And I would say, you know, if you're someone coming from like the GIF world, this is going to be different. Mm -hmm. It is going to be a bit different because GIF is like, again, it's not even real peanut butter. Like you have so many other ingredients and oils in it. It's just a bunch of bullshit. But the creaminess and the texture and the feel of it is just like that of processed food, ultra processed food. It's like really good, salty. So it is a bit different texture wise, especially going to like an almond butter. But you give it enough time, like not really that long. All I can eat is like almond butter with salt now. Put mm-hmm. it on rice cakes, some chocolate chips or whatever. And that's good. Uh, so I think nut butters are the most satisfying and the easiest one to replace because either way, it's a good little treat. Yes. It's just maybe a bit different. Yes. Okay. uh, What else? Yeah. Another food I thought of were kind of snack foods that are pretty common. So we we've tried to get a lot away from a lot of snack foods and processed foods, but we still really like um, pretzels and tortilla chips. You know, like Mm. we still like those things and they they're still crunchy and they're still salty. And they can still kind of be one of those foods without breaks because they're hitting some of those bliss points that we talked about earlier. Mm. But we've really tried to find pretzels and chips that have very limited ingredients. And we found a few. There's not, I will say, there's not a ton on the market. And so if our listeners find other brands out there that they really like for these snack foods, Um, Let us know. But as far as pretzels go, once in a while, we'll get Utz pretzels, U-T-Z. Utz pretzels, um, generally they're sourdough baked pretzels. So they're the bigger, thicker pretzel. We'll have ingredients Mm, like wheat flour, salt, yeast, baking soda, period. And... We've also found some of the Snyder's brands pretzels will have similar ingredients. Um, those are the only two we found, though. And we are always on the hunt for a high quality pretzel. Yeah, uh, that's I mean, any like packaged chip is kind of hard, right? Oh, yeah. Chips um, are really we're talking hard. about chips, tor- tortilla chips, um, the brand Siete. Yes. You guys know them? Siete's. Yes. I mean. It's a chip. It's it's like a fried potato, but it is it's they're usually no all of not usually they are all used with like avocado oil or olive oil. 
um, for all of their chips. And they have every single type of chip that you could imagine. And they're really good. They taste really, really good. Yes. Quick story about Siete chips. I was craving chips and guac this week. That's all I wanted. I was like, I really just want chips and guac. And I Meyer, our local grocery store, which is a big chain, they carry Siete chips. I went down to the chip aisle and I was looking at all the tortilla chips. And then there was this blank spot. And they didn't have any Siete chips. They had a spot for the Siete chips, but there were no Siete chips stocked. No Siete's. And I was so sad. And I sat in that aisle. Yeah, I sat in that aisle, turning over all the other bags of tortilla chips, trying to find another brand. I thought there must be one other brand that has pretty good ingredients. And I couldn't find one. I left the, I left the grocery store without chips. And I was just, I was so bummed. And I was like, I, yeah. my, my dream of having chips and guac is is ruined did you get Corey to take you to mama lou's <laughs> no not yet that would be the next best option i would have gone straight straight from meyer to mama lou's <laughs> hour drive Made, easy make the hour drive yeah Corey used to do a really good thing in that uh buy so usually if you're buying tortillas right tortillas that you can buy like the corn ones and it's mm. sometimes you can buy find them anywhere it's just the corn tortillas are just corn lime salt and like another thing right um baking well, i don't know baking soda i have no idea what else but uh, very low ingredients and you just cut those into triangles put some oil on them put, drop some salt on them and throw them in the oven and then they get crispy and that's your tortilla chip a little bit thicker but i mean that's kind of cool and that would be a good tortilla chip too so Corey used to do that i've done it a couple times i think it's delicious and awesome yeah i i should have gone that route and yeah Corey Corey will still do that on occasion but yeah yeah shoot darn ucfa chips oh, i'm sorry <laughs> um okay let's go through a couple more so we have peanut butter pretzels uh chips so far let's do let's do three more yeah i think another pr- i think another pretty common household item is bread. I think most people have toast or sandwiches. And we've noticed with a lot of the ultra processed sliced bread that you find at the grocery store in the aisle has really long ingredient lists. Um, But like I mentioned earlier in the episode, try heading to the bakery where they also have bread. And these breads typically don't have like shelf stabilizers or preservatives, so they're not going to last as long. However, they're going to have a really short list of ingredients, and we've found really high quality bread from our bakery. The shelf stabilizer was key, right? Going to the bakery because it's bakery bread, and then they're mm-hmm. baking it right behind the counter, so they don't have those types of things to put in it. It's yeah. not a factory. Yeah. Um, the bread's a really good point. I think, and then if you want to level up again, buy uh, like from your local bread person. Like we have a lady out here yeah. named Cassie. She does the, the bread buzz and um, she's redoing her kitchen right now. So we haven't had bread in a while from her, but 
it's amazing. It's just a couple of ingredients and that's the best way to do it. Kind of like buying from Apsy Farms. Just go buy your bread local. Yeah. And that would be the best level, I think, right? That's that's such a good um, point. Yeah. Go to your go to your farmer's market. There's usually a bread maker at yeah. the farmer's market. Um I'll I'll make bread at home every once in a while. Um it does take a while. That's the only thing. It's it's a it's kind of time consuming. So having having a local yeah. bread maker is ideal. Okay, uh, next. Yeah, another one that we've been doing a lot lately is taking notice of the ingredients in things like dressing, salad dressing, and sauces. So these are things we probably use every week. And again, they seem kind of innocent, but usually those sorts of foods are getting put on everything. You know, they're getting added to a lot of meals and a lot of dinners. And they usually, again, come with a lot of lists or a long list of ingredients of just like added sugars, added vegetable oils, things that we can't pronounce. And so we've been, we've been trying to swap out a lot of those things. Um, and I've actually been surprised when I've done just a little bit of investigating, if I can't find something in the store that has ingredients that I'm super psyched about, I've been really surprised at how easy some of these things are to make at home. And so two recent examples I can think of are, I started making my own Caesar dressing. And it's actually really easy. It's a little bit of mayonnaise. It's sardine paste, which most grocery stores have, you know, lemon, some spices. I think that's maybe some Worcestershire sauce, but it's pretty easy. You can make it in a jar. You can keep it in the fridge for a while. So I've done that before. And then I've also done things like, um, oh, I couldn't find an enchilada sauce that had solid Mm. ingredients. And again, I just, I looked it up and I thought, okay, what's in enchilada sauce? Is this actually that hard to make? It's not hard to make. And so some of these (laughs) things where I, of course, I just want to go to the store and buy a jar and use it right away. So some of these things I think, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to make enchilada sauce. Like that sounds really complicated. Typically it's not. I've been really surprised. So sometimes if you're trying to find a better alternative, see what it takes to make it from scratch. And sometimes it's super simple. Yeah. And we have the internet, right? Where you can find yes. anything to make from scratch, right? Yes. That's such a great point. We're, we're so reliant on things that are at the grocery store like that, like dressings and like that's, we just assume that's where they come from. Mm-hmm. Honestly, until you said that and made it clear, I was like, that's just where enchilada sauce comes from. <laughs> is right. the store. Yeah. <laughs> Someone makes it, but it's not me. Yeah. Um, okay, I will I'll will throw a brand at you though for enchilada sauce. And it's the same one we mentioned earlier, which is Siete. Yeah. So Siete makes like ev- like enchilada sauce, taco seasoning, taco shells, hard and soft, taco shells, all good ingredients. So that's something to look out for too. Um it's really bothersome actually when you look at like salad dressings and stuff, and like they're just adding vegetable all these vegetable oils for no reason. Like it's seemingly no reason mm-hmm. other than the fact that it is cheaper to use them. Mm-hmm. And like the peanut butter too, it's just like irritating. Why are you adding all these just junk? Because it's cheaper to add all these regular ingredients than it is just to put real peanuts and 
salt and shit. Yeah. And it's, like, it's irritating. Yep. Once you learn about it. Yeah. You will notice a cost difference with some of these things. So mm-hmm. we, we place a high value on our health and we really care about the ingredients we're putting in our body. I will say sometimes there's sticker shock when you go to the grocery store and you see like, okay, I could buy this, this jar of enchilada sauce for, you know, a dollar fifty. And the Siete brand might be, it might be three times more expensive. I'm not sure. And so you're really weighing in that moment, okay, do I, should I really spend a little bit more? Um, we do. We typically do. Or make it from scratch, because sometimes that's the cheaper route to go. Um, but we like, we like the brand Primal Kitchen. They make lots of salad dressings. They make ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, things like that. That's been a good brand. Um, Chosen Foods. Also, we'll get their mayonnaise and we'll get their avocado oil and thing like and things like that. But yeah, look at your store and just start investigating. Yeah, for sure. Primal Kitchen is a great one. Love Primal Kitchen. Yeah. Um, okay, this is probably going to be my favorite one. The last one. Go ahead. We didn't touch on this very much during this episode, but I would say drinks. I think most households have sodas and energy drinks or these are things that people are going out and just buying um, during their day whether it's at a convenience store or a restaurant so yeah sodas and energy drinks they (laughs) just look at the ingredient list and I guarantee you won't be able to pronounce more than 50% of those ingredients there's just so many hidden there's just hidden bullshit in there. And the way I think about it, yeah. the way I think about it is, okay, if I'm drinking a diet soda that has artificial caramel color and all these uh, like chemical sounding names, what is my body going to do with that, with those ingredients? I'm just drinking this thing and saying, body, good luck figure it out. My body's getting hit with this shit and saying, what the fuck do I do with this? You know, it's mm-hmm. not that stuff is wreaking havoc inside of you in ways that we don't really understand. And so be really cautious of those things. I think our understanding of sodas and ingredients probably ends with carbonated water and sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, there's a lot of sugar in those things. Like what you said, our body doesn't know what to do with it, right? I think that's an interesting point. We're almost doing it just for our taste buds. Mm-hmm. It makes us feel good. And it's carbonated and it fizzes and it's, and it's like good. Mm-hmm. But you can still have that. And we've, we've discovered a brand, if, if it hasn't already kind of blown up across all the other populations of people across, yeah, is Zevia or Zevia, mm. however you want to say it. I don't know yet. Uh, it, which is, it's uh, just carbonated water. Uh, stevia extract and then like uh, is there like a flavoring in there too depending on what flavor you get probably I'm not sure what the flavorings come from I think that sounds right but it's way fewer ingredients and no sugar so there's no calories in it and the the caffeine free cola is like the most delicious thing I've had that is comparable to like Pepsi or the other one yeah Zevia is really really 
we love Zevia. We drink it every day. I know you guys love it too. Mm-hmm. Um, is, do you have any others? Any other different things besides soda that you guys do? We're super snotty and we get San Pellegrino. just like flavored uh, unflavored carbonated water yep yeah yeah no that's not that's fine that's not i mean maybe we're snotty too shit (laughs) but jess got it the other like two weeks ago she got it with we went out to a mediterranean place and she ordered like a 32 ounce san pellegrino yeah (laughs) and she just like drank it she's like we should get more of these um so yeah that's it's good yeah it is really good i'm trying to think we do a lot of seltzer um man and i'm blanking on some of the names but there's so many on the market where you can just get flavored seltzer and it's typically just carbonated water and then like lemon lime some sort of natural flavoring yeah i mean the sodas we really didn't touch on that too much but that's a that's a big part of our life too is sodas and drinks let's start wrapping up you mentioned earlier that you this is a keyword process to kind of get off of these types of foods and start to avoid them and start looking at ingredients, start incorporating more whole foods, maybe more local foods into our diet. So let's talk about that little slight change for a few minutes and how we can best attack it and as to not like hear this episode or hear more information and get freaked out and overhaul Mm. everything, feel like you have to change your life in one snap. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. I think a lot of people try to do that. I call it the lightning bolt effect, where people will get some of this information and say, all right, I got to do a kitchen clean out. They get their trash can out and they start taking things out of their fridge and pantry. You can do that if you want to. Um, I typically don't recommend it. And mostly because research in psychology and behavior change has shown that making these really small, micro changes produces better results than trying to do the overhaul here. And so I think knowing that food exists on a spectrum is a really great great way to visualize this. And I want to use your example, Bones, because you said, you know, was it Lucky Charms? Was that the cereal that you really liked? Yeah. So if we if we look at the spectrum of breakfast cereals or even the spectrum of breakfast cereals like Lucky Charms, we have one end of the spectrum that's less healthy and the other end of the spectrum that's more healthy. So wherever you are on the spectrum, just try to level up a little bit towards the more healthy end of the spectrum. And you did that. This is exactly what you did is you mm-hmm. said, okay, I'm not going to eat Lucky Charms. I'm going to see what else is out there. What other brands are out there that might be a little bit better. And so I did this with Frosted Flakes. You know, Frosted Flakes, we already know they're not that great. They're pretty processed. But then there's other brands like Cascadian Farms Frosted Flakes. Those are a little bit better. They've got a little bit better ingredients. And then maybe over time, you continue to level up. And then someday, maybe you're eating. I don't know, oatmeal that you, like steel cut oats that you made from that you made at home in the morning. You woke up an hour early to boil the water or whatever, but you don't have to start there. Whoa. You just like describe my life. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I used to have like a cereal and like 
like through college was like cereal, sausage, and like eggs. And then over time, I was like, we get worked at CrossFit worthy. It turned into hmm, maybe like Kashi cereal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. And now I have steel cut oatmeal in the morning every <gasps> single morning. No way. I swear. Yeah, I swear. I, I, the cereal, like when I do have the cereal, it's usually like uh, I usually have it in the afternoon in the middle of my day where I could use like some carbs right before a workout or something mm-hmm. with I'm working out in the next hour or two or whatever. And or sometimes I have it at night because I want to treat at night. But in this morning, it's been oatmeal. Man, that's crazy. You just described my life. That's awesome. <laughs> you're, you're so good at behavior change. That's what you do for a living. You're really in tune with those things and you've made it your life uh, work to help people in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really beneficial and that's the best way to do this type of thing. So there's, uh, let's wrap up. There's, there's a website that people can go to. It was mentioned in the Washington Post article mm-hmm. that if you are starting to look at uh, ingredients behind you know, the foods that you eat, looking at the grocery store, starting to compare things, we're talking about that spectrum, you can go to this website and plug in that type of food and see which product and where it lies on the spectrum. So you can say, oh, this type of cereal is, has better ingredients, less processed than mm. this, so I'm going to grab this instead. Right. So let's talk about that website for a minute. Um, what is it? And, and if you've used it, how do you like it? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's called truefood.tech. Truefood.tech. And yeah, it ranks foods on a scale from one to 100 based on the degree of processing and the number of additives it has. One, the lower end of the spectrum, one is going to be better. And as you get higher towards 100, that food item is going to be more processed, more additives. And so I hopped on the website because, okay, once a week, we typically make pizza at home. And I was thinking, you know, that's probably when we're using a lot of processed ingredients. We're getting cheese, we're getting pepperoni, things like that. And so I looked up pepperoni to see, okay, how can we be aiming a little bit better here? And again, you'll see the spectrum that we were just talking about. You type in pepperoni and you get all the different pepperonis on the market between one and 100. And we ended up buying a brand called Applegate, Applegate Farms pepperoni, and it ranks at around 25. So it's, it's pretty good. But I started getting curious and saying, oh, what pepperoni is better than Applegate? And so now I'm interested to go to the store and see if I can find these other brands that the website is listing. Because in my mind, I was thinking, oh, Applegate is like leading the industry in healthy pepperoni. Did you find anything better with pepperonis? Yeah, there are a few on the market. I don't know if if they're they might be super specialty, so I have to see and do a little bit more investigating. Mm. But I looked up mozzarella cheese. Where to find them? Yeah, I looked up mozzarella cheese also, and I was kind of surprised too. I mean, there were brands like Kraft mozzarella that actually ranked pretty well on the website, and Mm. then of course, if you go and buy. The mozzarella that's in the deli section that comes in like the mozzarella balls, like the the Buffalo Premier mozzarella, that's 
very minimally processed. I think they give it a one on the spectrum. And so wow. even with yeah. that, I thought I thought we were doing pretty good, but I think we could do a little bit better. And it's a good point, too, is not, not all the big corporations are probably that bad. It's just good to get information. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. We don't want to sound like we're damning all those big corporations, but that's kind of the trend that we see. Uh, but that's a good example. I th- so I will give out one more uh, that going off of what you said and finding those products, like if you search on that website, pepperonis or or pretzels or whatever, and like you can't find that product, there's a great um, marketplace online. It's called Thrive Market. Mm. And Jess has been on this for years now. I think it requires a yearly subscription. But you can search all types of different foods that you will not find in the store. Um, brands that you've never heard of with ingredients that are just like, is that even possible to be real? Mm-hmm. Like we had this, for example, uh, a curry one time. It's really hard to find a good curry with good ingredients in the store. But like all of the curries on Thrive Market are just from different brands and they're really, really good. So you probably can find some good different pepperoni brands on there too. Mm-hmm. So at Thrive Market, worth checking out if you can't find some of these brands in store. So, wow, what a great episode. We did it again. Another, another food one, yeah? Yeah, that was fun. I love talking about food. Me too. Uh, anything else you want to add here at the end before we take off? No, I think we cover it, covered it. I would encourage people to read the article from the Washington Post on these ultra-processed foods. And yeah, just educate yourself. That's the best way to start making changes is just learn about some of these things and decide for yourself where you, where you want to improve. Perfect. All right. Well, we love food. We love meat. And we'll be back next week.